Hi everyone, and welcome to the ADSR Inspirations Podcast. My name is James Mallion, I'm your host, as I introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world. I'm deeply interested in music, film, the arts, achieving goals, overcoming struggles, and big ideas. So join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge. We're based out of Tokyo, Japan, and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world, ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Welcome once again to ADSR Inspirations. And we got another great guest today, as per usual. So originally from Sussex in the UK, Adam is a self-described creative collaborator, cultural explorer, English-Italian living in Tokyo. After completing both his BA and master's in design at Ravensbourne University in London, he jumped into the field working for Gensler London and eventually Gensler's Tokyo branch, working on a number of different design projects throughout the years, um, both in the corporate field, retail, education, hospitality, and more. Please welcome to the show, Adam Esposito. Hi, nice to, nice, to, nice to be here. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, Adam. So to kick things off, uh, I just wanted to ask you do, you, do you recall when you first kind of became interested in design? And also, when did you know that it was something that you'd maybe be able to make a career out of? Um, yeah, I think I, I remember first being interested in art and design um, back in primary school. I was very good at drawing. Um, everyone was always kind of like very complimentary of my drawing. Um, and then progressing into college when we took, uh, in England, we took A-levels. And I had a very weird mix of courses that I took. I took chemistry, IT, but also took art and design. Um, and for me, it was very natural. Uh, it just came to me naturally uh, in terms of developing design projects and, and, and pieces. Um, and it, it, was, it was really something I enjoyed uh, more so than any of the other subjects that I was, I was doing. Um, so taking that forward, and I actually wanted to go to university and do chemistry. But uh, in the end, I um, really felt like art or, or design was something that I was more passionate about and more kind of interested by. Um, and then I went to go and do an art foundation course in England, which is a one-year course, which then you use to go to uh, get into university. Um, and that, that was kind of the start of it. When I did the art foundation in Brighton, it was something that really um, excited me um, and really kind of allowed me to focus my design work in a particular form because you, you, you do fine art, you do graphics, you do 3D art and, and design. And that was something that really kind of pushed me towards kind of like, okay, I really want to go and do this in, in university. And I think that's something that I really am passionate about. So I think all, yeah, since I was young, I was very interested by, by art, but really kind of getting towards college and going into that foundation really kind of helped me kind of realize that it was something I can do for uh, kind of continue through into the future. Sure, sure. So I guess growing up, did you kind of have some family or some friends that were maybe doing, you know, art-based stuff for a living? Or did you kind of see like role models that you kind of thought, you know, I could do the same thing? 
Yeah, I think um, it was kind of interesting. My um, my father is a therapist, um, a family therapist, um, but he was always very passionate about art. When we went on holiday, he'd always be drawing, doing little paintings and stuff. He was always very interested in architecture, um, always wanting to, to walk around Rome. Um, by Italian side, we'd always go to Italy uh, in the summer and we'd always have a little tour around Rome and, and and see the kind of historic architecture. And he was very passionate about it, although he wasn't, it wasn't his job. Um, he had a deep passion. Of, and, and I think maybe growing up around that um, and the support for that um, exploration was, was very important for, for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess following up with that, when you kind of decided, um, you know, you wanted to study art, were people around you always sort of encouraging that path or I know for a lot of artists I've talked to you know maybe it's a little bit riskier than other fields to kind of get into mm. was your kind of support around you um you know thinking you know this was a good idea yeah I think that um definitely going into art again I, I was as I mentioned I was going to do art uh, chemistry and I had applied to universities and then I've changed my mind and I remember having to go to my parents and say, I don't want to do chemistry anymore. I want to do art right. and, and there's something more, more passionate about. I was very worried about it because it, we were so far down the line with going to universities and they were like, we're happy you know now and yeah. sort of changing your mind halfway through. And they were very supportive. And I think, um, you know, I was going into, for uni, it was more architecture, interior design architecture was the course. And I think that being able to go through the Art Foundation, get into a really... Uh, good uh, university course at Ravensbourne um, was great. Um, and I think that realizing how beneficial that was in terms of uh, the type of course that it was and going kind of getting to work afterwards, I think that was really um, kind of reassuring. But I think everyone was always supportive. I was very lucky in the fact that everyone was always supportive of what I wanted to do around me. So I never had the pressures of. Of, of that being kind of uh, dictating what I wanted to do in the future. It was always what I wanted to do was fully supported by everyone. So that was very good. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's important for, you know, whatever. Mm. If you have pressure from people telling you, you know, you should do this or this should yeah. be your dream, then yeah. it often doesn't work out very right. well. Right. Um, I know, yeah, for myself as well, it was a little more freedom, you know, just support mm. of whatever you do. So I can mm. really appreciate mm. that as well. Yeah. Um, was was there, you know, you said you started out with a more general kind of study. What Was there something specific that kind of pushed you towards the architecture route? Or did you always kind of have that in the back of your mind? Um, not really. I think that, um, I think in a sense, maybe I had been more thinking about it when I was doing uh, my A-levels, and then when I had my year out and I was doing my own studies, I was doing life drawing, I was doing my own projects to kind of get into the foundation course, um, like design in terms of interior and architecture was something I was more focused on. Um, I think, you know, looking back, it was probably something I was more interested by um, generally. Um, you know, product design and, and, and anything was was kind of interesting to me in terms of how I think about it and develop it. and then. When I did the Art Foundation, I think that, again, it was after seeing the different, um, exploring the different idea, like styles in terms of art and graphics, et cetera, 
again, 3D was something that I, I, I seemed to naturally excel at um, better. And I've, I felt it kind of just ended up being more enjoyable to me in terms of, you know, it was something that I could do quite, quite easily. And, and it was something that I didn't, it wasn't like a, a slog when, you know, you, you're doing the studies. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, I've got to take my time. I don't want to do this. And, and, and when I was doing that, it was, it was just enjoyable. It was naturally mm-hmm. kind of like something you know, I was, I was very happy to do. And, and I think that, that, that kind of helped kind of, you know, push me in that direction in a sense of realizing that if I want to continue to do this at another three years of university and, and work, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I enjoy this and I'd like to pursue that as a, as a career. Sure. Right. And then it seems like everything went pretty smooth from there, right? Um, how, how was the transition? I guess Gensler is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, mm. um, design firms in the world. Yeah. Um, what was the transition like after you finished uni then? So, yeah, we were very lucky that the course leader, Leighton Reeds was, uh, had a very good connection with Gensler. So, uh, when we uh, were studying and coming up to our final end of year kind of uh, exhibition, uh, we'd already been we'd already met uh, one of the uh, design directors from Gensler, um, and he'd come and seen our work. And actually, myself and my best friend um, Rob Goulder had kind of um, met him and got uh, jobs with Gensler uh, at the end. And I think ha- having him around um, and the uh, Enrico Caruso, who was the direct design director there, they were very welcoming. Um, we were, I think, one of the first uh, interns, like new graduates, to kind of be employed by the London office for a while. Um, so it was kind of like a, a new thing for them in, in a sense. But um, but having that kind of really supportive nature around um, and having someone I knew with Rob uh, around as well it was it was kind of it became a very easy transition it was it was um it was a great experience it was very different obviously from the studies uh going into uh you know the, the world of work uh, and having a, a very different kind of uh you know understanding how projects worked and 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 the processes and all, all those all those aspects of working but um but I think the environment and the the collaboration and the team around you was so good that it, it didn't feel uh, difficult. It just felt like a natural progression from from learning into into work. Sure. Right. 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 Yeah. I think um, that process is important for a lot of artists, mm. and um, that that kind of transition. It seemed like everything went pretty smooth for mm. you. Um, was that kind of a, a guaranteed that internship? Was that like a guaranteed job after you finished that, or um, was it um, a little bit up in the air when you started that? No, it was it was uh, up in the air. We had to interview uh, with Gensler. I went on, I went on a few interviews. I had um, done an internship with another company called Household uh, the, the kind of year before, and I interviewed with them and a few other companies. Um, and I got the offer from Gensler. It was kind of, it was weighing up whether I wanted to go and work for Gensler or go back to a household or, or maybe another company. And I just thought that in terms of the experience, the wealth of experience, the, the breadth of projects that they do, um, and the opportunities in the future to work, collaborate 
with other offices um, around the world was very exciting. And I think that that was something that draw, drew me to, to work with them. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, Enrico himself uh, and the different people on the team were just, you know, very interesting, uh, kind of diverse uh, group of people. And I think that was also very exciting to, to be able to work with. Sure. Right, right, right. So when you started working at Gensler, what kind of uh, projects were you working on? And was was it the kind of thing that you wanted to be doing? Or um, did you kind of figure, you know, maybe I'll get to that? Or hmm. I think it was kind of interesting. The first, when I first went there, um, you know, there, there was um, there was not so much space on interiors projects. And I got actually moved to architecture. Um, I was working on the BSF program, Building Schools for the Future, uh, in England, and we had six schools that we were designing. Um, so I was on a team of about 14 people for, I think, a year and a half, just over a year and a half, doing schools. So I was not in the inter- I was employed to go to the workplace, workspace um, studio, and I was actually on the architecture team, and it was, it was unexpected, but fantastic. It was such mm-hmm. a... Um, a great experience. It was a great team to, to work on. Um, and it was in education, which I was very passionate about. Um, my master's and uh, my BA projects were all about care, the care system and creating spaces for, for children to be looked after. And so it was kind of like a really nice uh, project to then move on to afterwards. Um, it was very interesting in terms of how the process was built around uh, you know, developing schools and um, how we could uh, improve them through this system. So it was actually very interesting and very different from workspace. So I was very glad that I got that opportunity to do that. Um, and then afterwards, I was working on the Avenues project, which is a huge mall in in Qatar, Kuwait. Uh, I can't remember now. So many, so many years ago, uh, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and that was another year of doing that. So again, that was in architecture. And then I moved to work workspace and, and that was when I, I transitioned back into the interior office interiors um, after that so it was I was very thankful to be able to have those experiences um, in addition to a lot of the workplace design that I've done since um, so it was it was a bit unexpected but uh, very very good sure right so when you're kind of um, taking on these new projects or you mentioned going into the different division. How much uh, how much say do you have into that? And how much are you kind of just um, well? This is what you're going to do. And well, when you're well, yeah, when you're a junior designer, not much say. It's sure. kind of it's more based around staffing, um, and it's found based around expertise and your abilities. Um, so I think you know they, there's a lot of work that is done by. The different studios and the different teams to understand what's what staffing is available and um, and who has the you know the abilities to, to work on those projects. So it's it's kind of you just take what you're given and your and your you know every week you're kind of updated with what projects you'll be working on and, and how many time how much time you've got on those projects, which is kind of understandable. And I think that generally that that still applies you know all the way up, you know, as you become more senior, you it depends on which projects you win and you might be bidding for more projects yourself. Um, and then if you bid for those projects, obviously you take those on. Um, so it really kind of becomes a lot more, you're, you're more integrated into that collaboration with the, with the management team and the business development team to, 
to win projects and, and take those on uh, as the kind of lead designer, if that's your position. So, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess, yeah, as you say, um, the more experience you get and the, I guess the more trust they have in you as well, the more freedom you're allowed, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so how does it work? Like you mentioned, uh, Gensler is, I guess, one of the biggest, if not the biggest and very international, how, mm. how does it work in terms of, uh, transferring to other branches around the world? Or like, for example, if they want to send you to another branch, how, how does that work in terms of how much say you have or that kind of thing? I think, well, it's all up to you. I mean, yeah. they, you can't, they, they won't make you move. Sure. But um, I think that there's a few ways. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who have wanted to move. You know, some, uh, we had quite a few people move to the London office from uh, the different American offices, uh, and that could be for family reasons or it could be for, you know, they, they wanted to try to transition or there's openings in terms of expertise um, that uh, that profession, that, that kind of expert needed was required in London, and, and so people have moved across. Um, so the, the, there's usually people either want to, or it could be you know required or asked from the office. So I actually came traveling to Japan, and uh, while I was here, I met some of the people in the office, um, and then they asked me back and said, oh, would you have time to meet Nachiko, who was the, the managing director of the office at that time? Uh, and I came back in, I was like, sure, sure, you know, come back in and, and meet them. And I ended up meeting her and like a few of the design directors, a few of the, the studio leaders. Um, it kind of became a very informal ad hoc kind of interview. Um, and they were interested about what projects I was doing uh, in London. And they said that they had been looking for someone to, to kind of fill that, that role, of, which was kind of my expertise in that sense. Um, I hadn't realized about it because I think I would have jumped on the chance if I had known about it. Um, but yeah, we, we, we had that discussion and they were very interested in bringing me over to Japan. And I was on this, you know, three month sabbatical. So I had to wait until I got back, um, speak with the family, make sure it was okay. It was kind of quite a, quite a distance to move. Um, but yeah, I think after I got back three months later, I actually moved to Tokyo. So it was quite quick. Uh, in that transition, but I was quite lucky in in terms of my timing to come in and and meet the people and, and speak to the people in the office. Um, so it was it was fortunate, um, and I think that there are opportunities like that where you know they they talk internally, the, the people reach out, and I think that um, while I was here, there was quite a few people moved from uh, San Francisco office um, and uh, a few other offices in in America to to the Tokyo office um, and it was great, you know, having a more diverse uh, uh, kind of in terms of talent and experience and bringing those ideas into one office, I think is always really super beneficial, uh, especially as a designer. I think uh, getting those different perspectives is great. So I think Gensler tends to be very good in, in being able to have that fluidity in terms of people moving around um, and creating opportunities when people want to you know, move back home or move to to get those different experiences in, in different in different offices. Um, I think it's really important for designers as well to get that that different um, perspective and, and change uh, to, 
to open up your your thinking. Sure. In yeah. ways. Sure. Um, in terms of, I guess you mentioned like you were visiting Japan. Um, mm. So did you always have like a bit of an interest in potentially living in Japan at some point and then this just kind of presented itself or you, or you were just thinking, um, you know, I'm here on vacation, let's go visit the office or what were your kind of... Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was possible actually. I, I thought it was going to be very hard for me to find a job or, or move here. Now I'd come to experience Japan. It was somewhere, somewhere I'd wanted to visit for a long time. Um, but um, you know, trying to see if I, if it was if it was a possibility was not something I was um, looking at when I was here. I just came to enjoy and explore explore the country, and and that's why I was so fortunate when I came here and they they started you know, they started to talk to me about offering me a job. And I thought it was very really, very difficult with the the language difference, and I, I knew no Japanese. Um, but I think that the 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 requirement was for uh, a more senior designer who would work with foreign clients, and I think that that that, that fit my need very very easily. You know, a lot of pretty much all my my projects that I worked on were with foreign clients, so in terms of communication, it was very easy. Um, so having that opportunity, and you know, and then not being worried about it when I first moved here was. Was like okay, great. You know, if it's not a problem, then yeah, I'd love to love to move across. And I think it was something, yeah, like I said, very very fortunate. But it, I think they made it a lot easier for me to move across, which was great. And it was it was no worries. It was just kind of come over and we'll support you and and you know and we'll make it work in in, in that way. So sure. yeah, I think that uh, I was very fortunate to find that job without having the you know. The knowledge of the local market or, or the language, um, which was something that as I came here, then I started to learn very quickly because it's quite different to, to how things work in, in, in England. Right, 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 for sure. So uh, what was that transition like for you then um, in terms of, uh, you know, you've got all this experience over in mm. the UK and then mm. all of a sudden you jump here completely, like you say, different mm. market, different language, culture, everything. Mm. Um, how was that? transition it seems like everything sort of happened a, a little bit quick once you yeah. kind of yeah agreed to it yeah well i think you you know you bring a lot of a knowledge of work experience um from the projects that i've done in in london and and you know even in london most of our clients are international um a lot of american firms and and so you you bring that experience of working with different offices to to japan and then they would be similar you know Companies that would then be opening a, an office in Japan. I think that the some of the building regulations um, and processes here are quite different in terms of construction and understanding that. So, you know, that uh, learning was very important to then also teach the clients because a lot of the clients would be the first time they would be doing a project here or themselves. You know, their their company might have an office here, but that that team might be first time they're doing a project in Japan. It's, it's quite different to how things work in America or, or, or Europe. So that learning is very important to then kind of communicate with them um, as an advisor to, to, to them uh, creating the project here. 
but I think a lot of the you know, knowledge in terms of workspace design was was very transferable and quite easy to bring into these projects and and take forward. You know how the client wants to develop and, and renew their kind of office space and think about their office space. Um, but I think the the cultural differences was a very um, important learning curve for me in terms of how you design a space that fits for how people work here um, and the environments that they really expect and want to have. Um, and it's quite different uh, depending on the client, but it can be quite different to how you know generally offices are designed elsewhere. And I think um, creating a great solution for that to integrate ideas that maybe the global firm has um, of, of that company, but also the local office has. Uh, and I think that that as a designer, that's the kind of becomes a very important aspect of, of your job is to make sure that the design meets those needs from both sides. And you become this kind of intermediary mm -hmm. person to, to, to take on the information from both sides and, and then create this, the best solution overall. Right. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest, you know, the technical aspects, you learn them, you understand them, and you keep them in mind, but then the emotional kind of uh, traditional kind of aspects of, of how people, how people work and how people feel is kind of more important to, to understand those and understand how that's always different in every kind of office space or, or client space that you go to. Sure. Um, and being quite quick to, to understand that and, and taking that information so that can kind of feed into your design. Right, right, right. Um, so you mentioned office spaces. What, what, kind of, uh, what kind of projects were you initially working on when you uh, came over to Tokyo? It was mainly um, tech companies uh, would be my main uh, kind of niche. In, you know, I was head of the tech practice area um in japan and so i would that would be my main kind of client uh base which um and then and then some you know law firms um different um some more local uh like insurance companies and things it was all generally quite corporate in in terms of the the type of clients um but tech would be probably my would be my main kind of client base and i think that that you know, that tended to be many foreign companies in terms of, of who, who I'd be working for, um, some banks as well. Sure. Uh, so it was kind of a very interesting mix of, of different sort of clients. And, and you got to see how, firstly, the different tech companies kind of approach their projects, but then how that was different from other types of companies and how they would approach their projects as well. Right. Um, I guess you mentioned as well that Japan specifically might have its own uh, characteristics or expectations. So like, mm. for example, um, you know, you're working on international, um, you know, like a Facebook or a mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tw Twitter or TikTok, yeah. one, of, one of these. How, how, would a, how would the office or the space you're creating, let's say in Tokyo or Japan, be different than, say, Europe or North America? So I think that um, obviously the, the aesthetical influences are very different, um, and I think this is the this is the key when I was mentioning about the different um, ideas that maybe the the headquarters have compared to the local team. Um, usually, they want to 
have the Japan office reflect a lot of the traditional aspects of Japan or the cultural aspects of Japan. Um, and then the people working in Japan don't want that so much. Mm. You know, they want an American designer. They want a European designer. They want something that really kind of um, doesn't feel so Japanese um, in terms of of the, the the overall environment. And I think creating a balance to 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 do that is is um, important. Um, but I think that yeah, the the, the then the kind of overall spaces generally are quite similar, but how people work in terms of the focus space, you know, desks, etc., and how they connect to more collaborative, open areas is quite different, I think. Mm. I feel um, people generally don't like to have, you know, lounge or collaborative spaces right next to desks and uh, it needs to be a bit more separated in terms of how people feel so everyone's more relaxed in terms of the way they work. I think depending on some companies uh, and you know, hierarchy seems to still be a bit stronger here um, in some aspects than, than maybe uh, you know, back in England or, or America. So um, those kind of nuances in terms of how they work and, and depending on the client is very important to, to kind of understand. Um, and then, yeah, design around that. But I think that, you know, in some of the more kind of companies like Twitter or Facebook, they are more open to take those approaches in and, and, and you know, develop around them. But we did see that, um, you know, in Facebook there was design, there was, that was actually a, a project which was phased over a, a few, a few, um, projects in terms of how it grew in the office space and and some ideas that had been originally kind of integrated maybe didn't work as as well as they would hope so we had to chain tweak those um, whilst keeping the overall design aesthetic because um, it was very strong very beautiful design and, and, and change that to work more functionally for them um, so it's always a learning process to kind of understand uh, how these things work within even even a very open uh, relaxed culture, um, but it might not be the same here than it would be right. in, in in you know in America or, or or Europe. Sure, sure. So those nuances were very important to understand. In terms of, um, I'm not sure how how big of a team you'd be working with on projects like that, but in terms of uh, how much freedom you're giving you're given as a designer or design team versus how much say um, the corporate office has or the local office. What, what do you, mm. what do you feel like your freedoms are as a designer in uh, projects like that? I think, yeah, again, it's very, you know, some companies come, come with a very rigid um, approach mm. and they might say, this is our design aesthetic. You know, this is what we're doing across the globe and 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 this is what we want to then incorporate into this office and it's completely you know understandable they they, they want to create um, a culture around their design and uh, they've worked very hard to create this kind of playbook in terms of uh, the design office approach um, and that's you know something you work with and, and and you know work with the client to integrate into the local space um, and some companies feel you know are very open to the designer taking the lead. And, and I think 
creating that relationship, I think always the relationship that I had with the client was the most important thing to to be more open and and uh, discussion led rather than reactionary. It was more of a collaboration mm. between them. You know, we were the designers and and we were the professionals. Um, and having that um, understanding from the client that we are the professionals that would bring the ideas and, and then work with them to refine, I think always worked better. Um, so, you know, it was it was when you had clients that were let, gave you that freedom to create, uh, you would then, I feel, get to ideas which were maybe not... Um, not expected at the beginning. And mm. I think that was created a more engaging and interesting design overall um, to allow you to give that freedom to understand the company and then create a design around those conditions that you you had been um, you know, understood from, from the client perspective and then taking in the kind of aesthetics and, and ideas. You know, they might have a few ideas about, oh, we want it this style or we want this kind of casual aspect or on certain elements, you know, in different in different spaces, and so when you take all those considerations in and and those and those ideas from them, and you have your own ability, you have your own time to then think about a design and concept. Um, I think those really create um, really interesting, unique ideas rather than too much of a, a kind of a rigid platform to to, to work on. Um, and then I think, yeah. When you have that, and then a client that's more open to discuss those ideas, uh, then you can you can tailor it, you can bring it back, you know, if you need to, or you can if they, you might come up with a great idea that they want to explore further, and you might take that further. So that adjustability in terms of uh, that discussion is very important, I think, to, to to tailor it further to to what they expect and what they want, um, but also have that uh, ability to talk to the local and the global team at the same time as you're developing the idea so that it doesn't become like, okay, this is more of a global aesthetic and the local team might not like it or appreciate it as much. Or it, the other way around, it might be too much of a local design and the global team doesn't feel it, it fits into the overall um, kind of portfolio of, of spaces. So I think that always when you have both teams involved in a discussion um, and open to the discussion with, with the designer, I think it creates the best solution for the design. Sure. Yeah. It seems, yeah, like what you're saying is the discussion from all parties and like an openness um, to really, I guess, also not be afraid to, you know, admit um, I'm not sure if there's been times, you know, maybe when you've either started the design or decided something and then maybe having to go back and, you know, redo something or mm. like, well, maybe, no, this isn't what we wanted, um, you know, for, oh. yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a expectation of designers that, you know, you don't, well, maybe some do, but I don't feel you hit the nail on the head first first time around. You, I don't think that ever happens really, but um, you always go there with the expectation of, okay, this is this is an idea of the best solution that I we feel it, it you know suits you, um, and this is based on the the conversation we've had so far. And 
you know, you might come back with a design and that, well, you know, we've been thinking about this or we've been thinking about something else and um, this is great, but, you know, we feel this element doesn't fit, you know, what we wanted so much. So there's always, you know, a lot of discussion to, to, to refine the idea. Um, and sometimes you, you come up with a design solution and they love it and it's just more about tweaking certain aspects. And sometimes, you know, you might come up with a design solution and they think, okay, it's maybe a bit too much you know, localized or a bit too global or, or and you have to, you know, work with that to understand, you know, how, how well it sit, works for, for the space. Sure. Um, so I think there's always that the understanding that you, you, you know, you might need to rework certain aspects of it, but um, I think that's just part of being a designer. With you. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think also like, like you mentioned when, you're working with so many people and, um, you know, you've got to work with the global brand and then the local brand. And then, um, what, what, what was the size like on teams like that from your end? From the Gensler side? Yeah. Um, I think it really depends on the project. Yeah. Uh, you could have a much larger project, um, and it would be five, six people. Some smaller projects would be myself and, a. uh, a design manager and a junior designer oh, okay. um, and maybe and a PA. So or it could be just myself, a PA and a, and a, and a design manager. So there's the mm. three of us it really depends on the, the size of the project and, and what that, what the project was, was aiming for, you know, in terms of how much design was required and um, how complex it was. Um, so I think that it really fluctuated a lot depending on that and, and obviously the time as well. Sure. Yeah, some projects were had a, a much longer kind of period of, of design development, and, and some were very very tight. Although generally, I think design projects are getting shorter and shorter. They're always kind of really kind of needing that the process to be a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, I think that you know, we had some projects which were yeah maybe up to ten people mm. uh, because it became a very complex uh, project which might need more project architects when you're doing things like staircases and a lot more architectural work in the, in the project. Um, you need a lot more expertise to kind of work with the building and, um, and the different vendors, contractors to, to develop those, those aspects. Um, and then you might, you know, you, you, you might have end up having a lot more design aspects within that larger project. So, you know, you, you have a overall concept, but then you have all these different areas which take on a, quite a, a different aesthetic and, you have to develop those so it becomes a lot more a lot more work in terms of um, what the design team is doing. So you need right. a bigger time, bigger team to support that. Right. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of um, specifically most of the work you were doing, you were able to hmm. um, focus on the interior design, or you were doing a lot of different aspects of the design at that point. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on. All, Towards the end, it was more the interior design and leading the team. Right. So, um, you know, you'd work with the, the the different design members, which would be, you know, environmental graphics. So you work with the graphics team to create the, the graphics and artwork in the project, which has become a very important part of workspace design um, in terms of creating the environments. Uh, you work with the different designers to, for the furniture, for the different uh, design elements within the project. Um, and you'd be doing a lot of the design stuff yourself, but also trying to 
encourage and and grow the experience of the junior designers at the same time. So, you know, I, I didn't, I never wanted to be uh, a designer which just told the team what to do. I always wanted it to be a collaborative effort between everybody, so that everyone would get the experience of of designing and um, working on larger projects and and have more ownership of it. It's not just some project I'm helping out on. It's a project they are involved in and part of and they can see their designs come to life which i think is very important so although you'd you'd be you know you'd be leading the design and you'd be leading the design discussion with the client um in that sense uh and responsible for the design you know you you'd i'd always want to be encouraging everyone to be uh, a, a key player in the design development and you know even the graphic designers they they knew everything that happened on the project so that they could respond to that and integrate that into their designs, but they could also have a say in terms of the overall design approach. Because um, I think it's all very closely connected. Um, and it's not something that's kind of should be an afterthought. It should be something that's developed and grown altogether. If you're doing artwork, um, it's a very important part of the space or the environment that you're creating. So people who are working on that or the, if we get external people to, to come in and do that, then um, they should be understanding and involved in the development of the design um, from as early a stage as possible so that it can be very closely integrated with each other. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, also, in terms of, like you said, ownership of the work um, when people feel like more invested mm. then they might put a little more of themselves or like, you know, put that extra effort or, mm. um, yeah. And in terms of building up different skills, um, in the overall, you know, design field, yeah. it seems like that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to jump ahead a little bit. So it seems like, you know, you got a wealth of different experiences in working with Gensler and, um, you know, I'm sure you could have carried on doing that for a little while longer but mm-hmm. um you know a couple of years ago you decided to go out on your own and yeah. started up uh november 2019 i believe you started up mm-hmm. espo atelier That's yes, you, yes yeah. got it and um so what what kind of what kind of led you to want to take that step and go it on your own and um you know start up your own brand I think it was um, a few things. Wanting to explore uh, different projects to uh, work on. Um, you know, I'd been doing workplace design for a very long time, and I wanted to be able to have a bit more freedom of different uh, projects that I could be involved in uh, and work on. Um, there's a there's a really great design community here. And, um, I've got a lot of friends in different different uh, design backgrounds and, and wanting to be open to collaboration on different aspects was, was something that um, I was very interested in um, and being able to have those opportunities um, open up to me would, would be great. And I think that when you're at a design firm like Gensler, it's, um, you know, you, you, you're very busy. You, you, you know, Doing the projects that you're working on, it's it's all-consuming in a sense, and I think that um, 
you know, the projects that we worked on were amazing and the team was fantastic, but having a bit more freedom to, to work on things that you want to develop yourself um, was, I felt, um, I, was at a, I was at a point after working for Genzi for 13 years was a, a good point to transition. Um, and I had the opportunity to work with Tonari, which is um, a startup company. So I was able to, to work with them um, and, you know, as a, as a startup and develop, developing their project, product um, was very exciting. So I thought that would be a great uh, kind of transition for me to, to move into. And also, um, whilst at the same time having my own time to then look at projects, some art projects that I wanted to look at, um, some of my own kind of design, you know, side projects that I wanted to, to think about and, and work on and spend more time on, which I don't think I was able to before. So it's kind of all these, a combination of all these things that I felt um, gave me the freedom as I, you know, when I left and, and, and became, started Espertilio was to have that freedom to, to do that and uh, kind of manage myself in, this, in that sense. Sure, yeah. Um, it does seem like um, a move that takes a lot of courage and would be, mm. you know, kind of scary for a lot of people. Um, if you were to give advice to someone in a similar situation who kind of thinks, you know, well, I want a little more freedom or I want to pursue my own projects mm. a little more, would you give some advice or some things that you learned in the past, you know, year and a half when you kind of decided to go on your own? Mm. I think for me, again, I was very, uh, I felt very lucky in having uh, Tonari um, as a company that was, it, it's not a project, it's like a continual collaboration with them. You know? Okay. I'm, I'm part of their, their core team. So I work every week, I, I work three days with them. Um, having that opportunity was, a very made the transition a lot easier for me. You know, I think that I, I, I feel like most people having a uh, solid income was was probably my my main worry. Uh, yeah. My partner was extremely supportive um, of of me, which was fantastic. So she was, you know, just saying, you know, if you want to go freelance, and then then go for it, and 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 you know, even if you don't have anything at the beginning. You know, having a bit of a safety net was was very important. But then having Tonari kind of gave me that continual safety, which was which was great. Um, but aside from that, I think I was talking to a few friends who um, have are, are freelance and, and kind of work for themselves, and, and talking to them to understand, you know, what's the best, uh, what, what kind of advice they would give me in, in a sense, and. One, Luis Mendo, um, who was a great friend of mine, and he was just like, don't underestimate your network. And I think that was, for me, something that was kind of surprising and uh, I hadn't really thought about before. But the network that I had grown from since working here um, was kind of surprising when I left and then so many people would contact me and say, oh, well, now you're freelance. Do you want to work on this? Do you want, would you be interested in coming and working on that or collaborating on this? And I think that... Um, having that network, kind of talking to people about opportunities and 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 your ideas, I think is really important to 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 have before maybe you make that that transition. Um, 
because then you kind of understand the marketplace and, and the, the the opportunities that potentially are around for you. And, and you know, I've got a few friends who have started their own design company that I've collaborated with. I've got other people who have started their own PM company. Um, and you know, I when I get a project, I, I contact them, or if they get a project, they they might bring me in. Um, so it's just kind of this network of people as an independent, you know, I, I'm just me. But then if I have these other people that I can bring in or work, collaborate with to create a team that can work on a project, um, that's really kind of beneficial. Kind of you know, the, when a client comes to me and says, oh, can you work on this project? I know that I can because I can bring in these different people to work with me on that project and, and, um, and have that kind of solidity and experience of, collaboration from previous projects to, to be able to do that. And I think that's important when clients are, I think clients at the moment are very open to working with smaller companies at the moment. They're not always work, looking for like the large corporate companies to work for, but they want the reassurance that you can mm. manage that project um, and uh, take on all the different aspects of that project. And so for me, you know, my, my Japanese isn't perfect and I'm a designer, so I need people around me who can you know, do that, do that um, conversation parts, or or your you know a PA project architect to do some of the detailing with me and things like that. So once I now I have that around me, I can I can easily kind of more com- you know, confidently go to a client and say yes, I can do this project or not. So you know having that was really good, and just having the reassurance, I guess, of 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 that there is work and, and, and the, the ability and, and just taking on, being able to take on projects um, and, and maybe it's very different to, to what you had done before, but taking those projects on to just explore them and experience them and get the experience of doing that project yourself, uh, I think is, is important, even if they might be quite small. Um, you get to learn different aspects of it. You, know, you get to learn about Okay, what do I need as a company? What do I need like insurance or 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 how do I bill or how do I do the contractual side? Um, and you might not have it all figured out because you know, large companies have been have teams and they've been doing it for a very long time. But you know, ha- reaching out to friends for advice and and taking note and doing that as each project goes along, then I think that's it's a great way of um, just naturally exploring and understanding these processes um, rather than feeling that you have to have it all figured out from the get-go. I don't think anyone, you know, just leaves and, oh, I've got everything set. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe some people do and are a lot more organized than I am. But, but um, you know, I you know, I, I left and I started developing the website. I decided developing the brand to be, you know, more, uh, you know, of this kind of, company rather than just a freelance designer and again my, my friend James he helped me on the branding and, and the development of the website which is amazing um, so slowly bringing all those aspects together um, over time and learning from those and, and understanding why they're important was really kind of important in terms of just taking your time about it and making sure that you learn from it rather than just kind of feeling that you have to have it all together from, from, from day one. Um, so having that, yeah. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I was also 
recently talking um, on the show to Daniel from Tokyo Dex. I'm not sure. Oh, if you, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. R- right. So, um, you know, he kind of stressed as well, like the connections and your contacts and, you know, just the people that you know. Um, seems like any kind of, I mean, my brother runs like a little, uh, his, his record label and mm. he's, it's just, you know, all the connections that you have. And when you're kind of doing your own thing, you have the freedoms to kind of, like you say, mm. um, do projects that you would never have attempted or been able to try before. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're able to kind of explore different, um, mm aspects of the business side of it as well mm. um mm. i kind of wanted to touch on that so in terms of so can you explain a little bit as well what's what's the thing you said you have a full-time thing with tonari what is mm. tonari tonari is a startup company um and um we've created a, a product that's is it's like a full wall communications device. It's hard to, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it without mm. showing you a visual, but right. um, basically it's, it's, it's a way of uh, creating this constant connection between two locations. Okay. With the feeling of that you're in the same space. So it's a full wall uh, screen. Yeah. Um, and it's always, always on. And um, it's basically a connection like you would be standing next to someone. So you can see the full, the full body. Um, and it's, it's, you know, the, the team has worked effort, you know, tirelessly to, mm. to make the connection this, the fastest you can, you can think. You know, it's so much better than any kind of VC uh, technology. Um, and uh, the experience is quite... Quite different, you know, very different to how you experience, you know, talking on a laptop or something. It's it's like if you walked into a room and and there would be someone else there. It's kind of it feels like this extension of a space, but then um, you'd be, you know, one office would be in Tokyo, one office would be in Osaka, um, cool. and it just feels like you're constantly connected to each other through through Tonari. So it's um, like a full it's a full screen like projected. Yes. Um, it uses a projector, okay, yeah. and then um, it's multiple cameras, or it's like one camera. Actually, it's it's just one camera. Yeah, um, and you can't actually see where the camera is. Mm. It's it, it, it's quite impressive. So you get this this um, eye to eye kind of con- connection in terms of when you're looking at someone. It feels mm. very natural in that sense, um, and. Uh, you the the speed is so the latency is so low that you it's it's very natural in terms of how you talk to someone else. Right. Um, so you know you you kind of we use the product we have it set up we have an office in in Yogi and then an office in in Hayama um, and they, we our team collaborates between both locations um, very often uh, and it's just like working next to each other but. When you know, through a through a very long, obviously quite a long distance, and we right. have uh, already some clients who are using it between Tokyo and Osaka, and they they are actually a, another design company, um, and they work on projects with each other 
They're every day they're always having meetings. It can be like a long meeting, it can be a very ad hoc meeting. It's trying to really kind of encourage serendipity and continual communication between teams uh, to allow them to work from different locations without it being feeling like you know, you're very distant or you have yeah. to jump on a call to, to talk to someone. It's like, oh, can I talk on, you know, on whichever product you want to use? But um, you have to jump on the computer and, and, and have this kind of face-to-face conversation. But um, it's more natural in that sense where you can just kind of you know, shout out to someone and say, hey, you know, if you want to chat and have a quick conversation. Okay. Um, so it's basically always on then? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And then so, so the room is... Like there's very specific um, specifications as to like the room size and um, like... well, this is we. This is what you know. Part of my my main job is to kind of design the space around the integration of Tonari into their office, mm. um, or help you know a design team to to create that space. So it's not we don't usually we want it in a room because we want it to be very open and and um, usable. For, for different cases and different teams. Um, but uh, we really want it to be able to, people can go there and, and have a meeting, but then people can walk past and, and just reach out to, to someone on the other side. Um, and we want it to feel more integrated into the space rather than it's being like, mm. you know, yeah. prompt there in the middle of the office. We want it to be feel as part of the, that office space. Um, so it, it becomes like a, a bit of a destination, but also a kind of natural connection uh, between spaces. Okay, yeah, that sounds really cool. Mm. Um, and then what is it like? Um, it's integrated with like a speaker system in the walls or something as well? Yeah, yeah. speakers, microphones, you know, lighting, it's all integrated into the product. Mm. Um, so we come in and we install the whole product and and, um, and then and then you're, you, you off you go. <laughs> right, right, and, right, and right. the idea is that it's very natural. It's not, there's no kind of learning curve. There are a few uh, functions that you can use um, in terms of quiet mode. So you can, you can, you can um, create like a, like a, a frosted effect. Mm. If you want to have a, a, a separation between the two spaces at, at some point, if you have like a very loud you know, meeting at one end or, or for some, you know, you, maybe you're having a team discussion one end, and, and you want to switch it off from to the other side. But otherwise, yes, it's it's um, it's very kind of naturally. You can just walk up and start talking to someone, and that's all you have to do. You have a shared screen that you can use to share information. Um, so it's very, again, very uh, easy to to present something to the other side if you want to share a document or or share some information so you can just kind of roll up with your laptop, connect, and then just start a conversation. So the idea is to really kind of make it uh, extremely easy for people to, to use without any kind of, you know, having to set up anything or or learn any, any kind of complex elements. Um, people would just kind of walk up naturally and, and, and have a conversation. And right. that's as easy as it should be. Right. Yeah. No, that sounds really cool. Mm. Um, mm. I guess in terms of, uh, well, I'm imagining it, it uses like its its own software in terms of connection. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I imagine it would have to be very high speed. So in terms of doing this from country to country, it still might be a little ways off from that or? Well, yeah, I, I, obviously that's what we want to 
look at um, when it's possible. Um, we've we've had a we've already um, had, got a few installations going in in Japan, um, and all the all the software and is has been developed by the engineering team. Um, the hardware is been very carefully considered and tested uh, to make it the best product in terms of its speed um, by by the team. So hopefully, you know, as we move to more international uh, installations, then you know, depending on the different countries' internet and right. <laughs> their services, um, we're, we're hoping that it will, you know, work just as well. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we, we're very confident that it will will be just as good as as having it in the same country sure. um but i think that it's a you know a testament to what the team has done in terms of its development of everything you know down to every little item in in, in how the product works to make sure that it gives you that high level of experience um you know all the time so i think that's been you know a, a few years of development to, to get to this point which is which is very exciting to see now people use it and start to use it and be a very uh, important part of their 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 work life. Right. Uh, in some of the companies. Yeah, I guess um, in terms of timing as well, right? Mm. Like this past year, the amount of people um, who've been working remotely mm. and this kind mm. of technology, um, you know, it seems like practical applications for something mm. like this could extend, um, mm. you know, far far beyond um you know business or education or mm. um, many different aspects mm. so yeah that's that seems really cool yeah we'll put the link up for that um on the website and our show notes Thanks. um so we're coming up on time a little bit here this has gone fast but i've got oh, a few yeah. a, a few more for you man if that's all right okay yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, try sure. and squeeze in a few more if you still got a little more time <laughs> yeah yeah so in terms of like moving forward, and uh, I know you, you know, you've got Tonari obviously um, mm. with some big things for the future. But in terms of like projects that you'd love to work on, or things you've kind of had in the back of your mind uh, moving forward, let's say like, mm. you know, now in the future, you know, a couple of years down the line, what, what were you kind of thinking um, moving forward with your company? Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I, with the company, I'd like to, um, you know, work on, as mentioned before, work on a, a variety of, of projects. I'd love to do, um, kind of, you know, be able to transition a bit out of workplace and, and do maybe more architecture projects, um, you know, on small scale architecture projects and um, maybe some some retail as well. Um, but I think looking to collaborate, I think collaborating with other designers is is would be exciting to do um, in in bringing different expertise. So you, you you're able to to work on different projects um, and have that flexibility to to do that. Um, some of my own art projects, which I wanted to to explore, and looking again how to to collaborate with others. I think like. Um, when you're in a corporate company, it's kind of hard to do that because you're you, you don't always have the time. You, you're working towards a client schedule, which is hard. But if you're if you have this, um, you're, if you're looking after your own timeline, you have that ability to to do that. And I think like 
um, a bit like you know, working with Daniel on Togo decks uh, on on a recent project is okay. fantastic because it was something I've got to do and I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, I think him and his team do amazing work. What what was that to... project? Uh, it's not completed yet. Okay. Um, but uh, we'll let you know when it when yeah. it's done. Sure. Um, Look out for but, that. Uh, yeah, it was just something really exciting to work with so such creative people um, on on a larger scale project, which is which is fantastic. So things like that, and talking to more people, and having that um, uh, in, uh, kind of community around you is is very exciting. And I think that bringing that into well, another one of my passions is kind of community work. Mm. So when I was at Genza, I was one of the I was the community leader for Asia. And I wanted to be able to do more community projects um, within within Japan um, and explore that to to, to allow um, you know people who might not be able to you know afford it or or, or have those connections to to design for them and, and create better spaces for them and and bring these different creatives together to help uh, different communities and I think that. That's something that I'd love to be able to to do more of um, while I'm while I'm working. So have an equal balance of of that of that, and, and it become more of a uh, a bigger part of what I do uh, rather than projects now and then. It's something I'd I'd love to be able to you know, split my time between um, and have more involvement and and support for for different people um, when I, when I can uh, whoever needs the expertise to, to come in and help them because um, I think there's you know there's such a, a great again uh, a number of people who want to be able to do that and um, when you talk to more and more people uh, younger kind of professionals and and they want to be able to, to do this work as well and I think that having bringing people to, together to work on these projects would be very exciting sure yeah that all sounds yeah all sounds like exciting and uh, mm. hopefully a lot of possibilities, like you say, just uh, the ideas of collaboration and opportunities mm. that opens up in terms of uh, in terms of your own team. And like, do you have like core people or do you have people that work with you full time at uh, Espo Atelier or you, you taking people part time or how does that just work? Me. Yeah. Just me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think in the future, you know, I, could you possibly? In the future. Yeah. For sure, I think that as I, as I slowly grow projects, um, you know, bigger and bigger projects, then um, uh, definitely would like to to have that. Um, as I as I mentioned before, at the moment, you know, I have people I know who are either freelance or or have a small company that I can bring into projects to work sure. with me. But I think I like that um, dynamic nature, so you can you can tailor your team around. Um, Around the projects that you're 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 working on or going for, um, and I think that really has a benefit in terms of um, being open to to reach out to people and and, and um, not not all it always be the same team. It's kind of like okay, well, I need this PM for this time, or I need you know this is a smaller project, so maybe I work with someone else. You know, if I don't need a, a, another design support, but but for the larger project I do, and I think that having that flexibility is, is quite nice. And I think that if if that is possible to work, um, then that would be quite nice. You know, 
having a team myself would be would be great. Um, but I know that it might take some time to get to a level of, of having consistent projects um, where you know I could I, I could bring someone in. Um, so I want it to naturally kind of grow into that and and, and it feel um, you know solid solid enough to to bring someone on as a as a full time member. Um, obviously, that that would be amazing to to have uh, as you grow your own company. It would be be very exciting but um i think you know taking that step by step and, and just using the 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 context that you have around you at the moment to to bring on when when as and when needed i think it's it's a nice approach um and i think it's quite refreshing and and um a bit more tailored i feel like it mm. can be quite tailored to the client you know you're bringing in people because you say okay i need these people to 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 you know, work on your project because this is what I feel about your project rather than, okay, I've got a team. I'm going to put them all on your project because it's my team. Right. And I think that, that, that that's a bit different, I feel, and I think that's quite a, a nice way of approaching it. I hope from the client side as well is they, they tend to appreciate that, um, you know, you're not tailoring a team because you have the team. You're tailoring it because you're bringing in the expertise that is required for that specific project. Uh, and it kind of, you're not, you know, charging too much because you're keeping this kind of quite trim team, you know, on board for for it, and it's not like you're putting in extra extra weight without without needing it. So I think that's it's it's good way of of being quite um, agile, um, and uh, really kind of from the beginning you're already tailoring yourself around the client. I think that's it's that's appreciated from their side. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, especially maybe if someone's in a similar situation to you and thinking, you know, oh, I want to start my own company, my own mm-hmm. brand, you know, I need this office space, I need a team. But yeah, mm-hmm. like you say, just kind of taking it, you know, step by step. Yeah. And like, also, you know, like you mentioned, clients, I'm sure can appreciate when you're building your team, you know, according to their needs, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. like you say. So yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. Um, yeah, if people are listening mm-hmm. and have a similar situation to you, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. yeah, they they can definitely learn mm-hmm. from what you've done. Um, so yeah, I got to thank you for doing this. I just have a couple more questions for you that I ask every sure. guest. Yeah, okay. che- cheers for this, man. Um, so yeah, as this is called the Inspirations Pod, uh, I have two final questions mm-hmm. that uh, I ask at the end. So the first one is. What are three things or three people that have really inspired you, um, either in your work or your personal life? Um, yeah, it can be a person or like a thing, a concept. Three things or three people. That have um, that's, a good, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, so uh, as like a, I guess as a professional um as a designer mm. i feel like um yeah i always remember that when i was at college you know philip stark was was someone that um was very inspirational to me in terms of his approach to design and i know that you know people are it's a it's a bit kind of like well my people seem to love him or hate him a bit but i think that the breadth of work that he's done 
uh, is quite amazing. It always kind of seeing his work and his approach at the very beginning. And there's so many, I mean, there's so many amazing designers and architects that you can't, it's hard to kind of say all of them. It's more than sure. three. <laughs> yeah. But I think that I just always remember seeing his work and, and being really interested by it and engaged by it. And I think that it was very, can be very elaborate, but um, um, some of the approaches and designs was always um, really kind of very interesting and engaging and very unique. And I think that it was always something that um, something that kind of spurred me to become a designer um, when I was at when I was at college. So yeah, um, that, that, that's something that's always stuck in my memory. Um, I think uh, my little brother, actually, Peter. Okay. He's, um, you know, from a background of going into the RAF to then moving into design and now um, running his own architecture company. I think, you know, what he's achieved and what he does as a team, you know, running a team and the work that he does, I think always seeing his work is very inspiring to me and uh, how much he does. It's, it's, uh, it's always amazing. Um, I think that uh, I really love to see what, what they create. Um, he works, uh, his company is called Third Way Architecture. Mm. Um, and I think that uh, just seeing how they approach projects and, and the spaces that they create is always super inspirational to me. And I think that uh, it's very kind of fresh perspective and um, really kind of great, uh, again, great team collaboration. Um, which is really nice. Uh, so yeah, that's always been uh, really um, great to see. Um, and then I guess uh, Leighton Reed, who was my professor at Ravensbourne. Okay. Um, you know, he took me from probably quite a shy, quiet person to 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 you know, the, by the end of the course, being uh, a more kind of confident, open designer. And I think that how much I learned from him and the course was extremely important for me to progress from what I was before to then kind of going to Genzo and, and even after that, um, being able to collaborate with him on the desertecture side, um, but also just always talking and learning from him since, since graduating has been really important. So um, I think his approach was, you know, I feel different from other professors. But it was very, um, it was very kind of like uh, professional, but also close. You had you had this kind of friendship and and and, and supportive nature. Um, and you know, when you're at university, it can be quite tough. And and he's always pushing you to be the best that you could be. Um, and I think that it was you know, probably at the time you kind of. Bit stressed and and you know tired and whatever, but you realise that you know because of that your work was so so much better than than you probably you would have thought it could have been at the beginning. I think that that transition was extremely important to to make me the designer the designer that I am now. So I think those would be the three people. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I know in terms of you mentioned your brother. Um, mm. You know I'm collaborating with my little brother on this as well and uh, he runs his Grace. music blog and he plays in yeah. a band so i'm always kind of looking to my brother for inspiration as well nice. so yeah it is good to have that relationship yeah. mm -hmm. and uh you know he's in tokyo as well so oh awesome 
Nice. Um, so yeah, one more question for you, man. Mm. Um, <clears throat> for you personally, um, if someone sees your work or, you know, some work that you've done with Gensler, mm. or mm. I know you do photography as well, mm. um, you know, someone sees what you're doing. Um, what, what does it mean for you to be inspirational to other people? What does it mean for you to maybe be an inspiration? Oh, that's a good, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think for me, it's if you, you know, if you, if I, if you do feel inspired, then, you know, mm. it's very, it's great for me. I, I, I mean, I, I hope that people feel they can, they can learn, they can understand, um, how expressive and how, how, much you can push yourself to be more expressive in terms of the work that you do and, and explore, experiment um, in in different ways and um, and trying trying to be you know have your own stance and and and, and um, develop your own ideas um, that challenge other people. I think I think you know creating design. Um, it's such a, it can be such a personal thing. And, you know, people have come from different backgrounds and, and pushing yourself to, to be confident of your designs, um, and push, take them, take them through, uh, to, to completion. I think that being, you know, strong about your passions is very important. Um, and learning how you take that passion forward and collaborate with others because, um, you know, I think that uh, learning from others is important, but also keeping your true, your true kind of ideas and your true feelings kind of always uh, at the forefront of your designs is important as a as a designer. That's what they want you to to be is to, to take your experience and take your passion, um, you bring your passion to the project. And I think that um, you know, I always try and and be strong about what I what I feel in terms of my my design. You know, everyone always has opinions about design, um, so that's that's just part of being a designer. Um, but really, creating a, a great collaborative environment um, is is always um, creates the best end product. I think that all my projects, the ones that I show, uh, you know, the ones I'm really proud of is when. The collaborative nature is, is very strong. Mm. Um, you have your strong opinions, but you are very able to, to be collaborative and take on uh, people's thoughts and, and, and ideas and, and work with them to, to make it the best that you can um, so that you get to the best end product. And I think that, you know, I think some uh, designers struggle with their own, sometimes struggle with their own kind of ideas or, or, or how confident they are. Um, uh, and I, I used to do that a lot when I was a, a younger designer, but then creating kind of as you become more informed and more more knowledgeable, then you can you can be stronger in terms of your opinion. And I think that's that's part of the growing as as a designer um, and taking on those experiences, but then uh, being very proud of of creating spaces for people. And I think that you know the happiest part I am is when people are inspired or and just love the spaces that I've created for them. You know, my 
in a sense, I, I don't always create the space for the client. I create the space for the people who are going to be using that space, mm. that, that office day to day. And that's my, my key aim is to create a really you know, nice environment for them. Um, and when you hear back from them that they, they, they love the space or they love being in the space and that, that, that's the kind of best thing for me. So, um, you know, if you're inspired by the, the, the designs and the, the photography or whatever it may be, then, then understanding why and, and trying to think about a lot of the work that's been gone behind that to, to create that is, it's, it's very important. So, um, yeah. I think that kind of answers your question. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got there. Yeah, perfect. So, uh, yeah, Adam Esposito, I really got to thank you again for coming mm. on the show. And, uh, yeah, like you say, like having the the confidence and having, you know, to put yourself out there and to follow your own ideas and now to go it on your own with uh, Espo Atelier. You know, like, like you say, um, the role the role of a designer as the artist as well. Um, so, mm, mm, yeah. you know, taking the courage, taking the plunge, um, starting your own brand, working with other people, giving others the opportunity. Thanks for coming yeah. on. And if people want to uh, follow you or keep up with what you're doing, uh, where can yeah. wh where can we check it out? Uh, you can check it out on my uh, Instagram, I yep. guess, ispoarc. Um, okay. Or my website, you know, feel yep. free to contact me if anyone has any questions. I'm always happy to, to, to talk to anybody. And uh, if anyone has any, any questions they would, would like to ask, I'd be more than happy to, to respond. Cool. Yeah. Thanks again for doing this, man. Thank and you so much. Uh, this was uh, Adam Esposito, and this is James Mallion with ADSR Inspirations. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more insightful and inspirational chats from people based in Japan and all over the world, make sure to follow us at ADSRCollective.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at ADSRCollective. Then listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay inspired. <laughs>